Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And Lord, I pray that you give uh, your guidance and your um, revelation to your word today as we consider what it says to our lives, I pray. Amen. Well, the Beatitudes, all of them describe a, a Christian who's walking in the Spirit, walking, uh, living for the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This would have been a head-scratcher. Brian Zahn, a, a current author, writes, Perhaps the most counterintuitive of all the Beatitudes is the third blessing Jesus bestows. Jesus blesses the meek, the quiet, the gentle, the non-assertive, the non-aggressive, saying, they will inherit the earth. I don't know if we really believe this, this beatitude, based on how we think and how we talk and how we act often. We would agree that with blessed are the meek, for even though they come in last place, they will be considered nice. That's meek. Or blessed are the meek, for she will be named Miss Congeniality. Or blessed are the meek, for they will receive their participation medal. That's who the meek are. We'll never hear our favorite politicians campaign on the slogan, I'm the meekest candidate. Vote for me. When the Roman soldiers would have heard Jesus teaching this, on the Sermon on the Mount, they would have looked at each other with knowing smirks. They knew better. They understood how the world works. Rome ruled the world from Britain to India through their intelligence, through their boldness, through their power, through their aggression. Not the meek, but the strong, the ones who are in control. They didn't achieve this through meekness. George Barna had a survey, and he surveyed a bunch of believers, and he asked them to name the top 30 attributes of a Christian. And so they named them. Guess what didn't come in the top 30? Meekness wasn't even mentioned. In our EnglishThesaurus.com, you can type in meekness, and you'll hear words like docile, soft, tender, timid, subdued. Mild, spineless, lowly, submissive, manageable, passive, unassuming, weak, plain, wishy-washy, yielding, weak-need, nothing. Webster's Dictionary would define meekness as deficient in spirit and courage. So my friend Ezekiel would, would say, I don't want to be meek. I want to be strong. I want to be in control. I want to be successful. I want to be powerful. And I said, you don't understand the biblical definition of meekness, Ezekiel. Meekness is not weakness, even though they may rhyme. Meek is not weak. Meek is not weak in Greek, Zeke, I told him. Meekness, the word for meekness in Greek is praus. It means power and strength under God's control for the benefit of others and the glory of God. It's power and strength under God's control. Sort of like a wild stallion that had been broken or tamed. 
A wild, wild stallion, if it's out of control, will be dangerous. It will buck, it will kick, it will bite, it will run away. But a wild stallion that has been trained under control of the trainer is very useful and very powerful. In the same way, water out of control can lead to a devastating flood and even death. But water in control, if it's pushed through a dam, it can power up an entire metropolis. There are two kinds of dogs in this world. How many own a dog that obeys your every command? And then there's the other kind of dog, right? You call the name and they ignore you, or, or you open the door and they dart out. You know, Manny Rivera, I move, helped move him to, to uh, Hutchinson this past week. And Manny was on our first service. And he shared this story with me. Well, no, this experience with me. I helped move him into his duplex apartment in Hutchinson not too far from Main Street in Hutchinson. And uh, as we were moving furniture in, Manny had just purchased, adopted a dog, an Arabian Husky. And he was really excited to get this. And day one, we're moving Manny in last week, day one of owning this new dog. And this new dog looked like a twin to his old dog who passed away a couple of years ago. And so Manny was excited to have this new dog. But the old dog was manageable because he had trained it. The new dog, not so much. In fact, he hadn't even named it yet. And so this new dog, um, as we were moving furniture in, the dog tried to jump on us and come outside and, uh, and run and whatnot. And it was twilight. It was getting dark out. And we opened the door, and I had to go get something, and the door was open. And so the dog just darted out. He just broke out for his freedom. And there he was galloping down the street toward Main Street, going out into the distance in the streetlights. And no matter how much we yelled for him to stop, just going like this. And it looked like a horse. It was a big dog running down toward Main Street. And I said, well, Manny, at least you only had him for a day. You won't miss him that much. Because I didn't think he'd ever see him again. We could not catch this dog for the life of us because it was so fast. Fortunately, the dog, maybe a quarter mile down the road, a dog had run onto a porch because a woman was eating on her front porch with a light on, and uh, the dog smelled some food or something, and so uh, this woman grabbed onto the dog somehow for us to retrieve the dog. But Manny's first dog would have been like a therapy dog or a police dog or a military dog in the sense that it was perfect obedience and it was calm and it was meek. But his second dog, that looked like his twin brother, he was out of control. He was not meek. There are two examples of meekness in the Bible um, that are prominent. The first is Moses. The second is Jesus. Moses, Numbers 12, 3. Moses was a very meek man more than anyone else on the face of the earth. Why? Well, look at Moses' life. He led the greatest revolt in human history, two million strong, out of Egypt. Was Moses weak? Hardly. He was a great leader. He confronted the powerful dictator of the world, Pharaoh of Egypt, Uh, went right into the Oval Office of his palace to confront him at least on 10 occasions with the 10 plagues. Moses was not weak, but he was meek. He would, uh, Moses would carry the burdens of a stubborn nation on his shoulders as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And he put up with that. He was not weak. He was a strong leader. 
but yet God says he's the meekest man on the face of the earth. Jesus was also meek. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I am gentle and humble in heart. The word for gentle is meek. We know Jesus was not weak. Uh, John 19, when Pontius Pilate said to him before his crucifixion, don't you know I have power to release you and power to crucify you? And Jesus replied, you would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Jesus was in complete control, submitted to his heavenly father. Uh, Prior to that, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers came to arrest him, Peter, his disciple, Got a, got a sword and chopped off the ear of a, of a soldier. And um, Jesus responded, put away your sword, Peter. Don't you know that I could appeal to my father and he would immediately send me 12 legions of agent, angels. How much is a legion? 6,000 soldiers. So 12 times 6,000 is 72,000 angels at the snap of my finger. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, I don't want to do this. This, is, this hurts, you know, and he could have called on angels to rescue him. He could have done that. He wasn't weak, but he was meek. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus would overturn tables. Moses would throw down the Ten Commandment tablets, you know, and they would, they would rebuke people. They weren't weak leaders. They were strong leaders. They were powerful leaders, but they didn't operate out of the world's idea of power. Rather, they submitted to their God who had control over everything and everyone. Meekness is power and strength under God's control for the benefit of others and the glory of God. If you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. Someone, someone told me after the first service. <laughs> Blessed are the meek then, for they will inherit the earth or the land. Uh, Psalm 37, 11, from which Jesus derived this text or this teaching. Uh, Psalm 37 says, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So what does it mean to inherit the earth if, if we are meek or inherit the land? What does that mean? Well, the land, uh, well, it means three things. It means that we are promised a land, well, I'm sorry, the Israelites, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, they were promised a literal land, the land of milk and honey. In fact, of the 194 times land is recorded, 154 are in the Old Testament referring to this land, or many of them are referring to this land. Genesis 15, 13, Abraham was promised this land 430 years before it came to fruition, and they marched in across the, the, uh, the river into the promised land. Secondly, it means a promise of a future kingdom and a future land. After Jesus returns to retrieve his children, when he comes back again, Revelation 21 John saw a vision of this. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven is forgiven and the first, I mean, the first, I'm sorry, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then Revelation 5, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign in heaven? No. They will reign in some distant kingdom? No. They will reign on the earth. 
referring to the new heaven and the new earth. We're not going to be stuck in heaven for eternity. Heaven's going to come down to earth. Jesus will renew this earth like it had been in the Garden of Eden prior to its fall. And we're going to co-reign with Christ for eternity. We'll inherit the earth. And then thirdly, it's a promise of God's present provision for us as we learn to co-reign with Christ on this earth. People receive inheritance, inheritances when loved ones die. Perhaps you've received an inheritance. Well, after Jesus died, we received an inheritance from him. In fact, we are, we're told that we became co-heirs with Christ. The word co-heir comes from inheritance. We became co-heirs with Christ. We're commissioned to co-reign with Christ on earth as Adam and Eve did prior to their fall. Romans 8. Now if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So if we are in fact inheriting the earth you know, the meek will inherit the earth. If that's what we are experiencing, then you might ask, why does it feel like we're losing ground when you turn on the national news? Why does it feel like Christ Christianity is becoming extinct or whatever? Well, if you were here last week, you'd realize that we aren't losing ground. We're gaining ground. The kingdom continues to grow and spread, even though we may not see it. For example, Christ's followers in the past, they're the ones who began the first hospitals we talked about last week. They're the ones who started the first 120 universities in America to train people in the gospel and in God's word. They're the, many of the scientists and the majority of Nobel Peace Prize winners were Christ followers. M multitudes of ministries have been started to care for those who are in trouble. Um, our, Arts and music have been impacted by Christ's followers. Millions of lives have been set free from destructive ways. Marriages healed. Um, people uh, coming off of addiction have been set free because Christ's kingdom continues to spread. We will inherit the earth. It's another way to, to say that. The Roman, the Roman Empire was powerful during the days of Caesar Augustus and Herod and Nero, Pontius Pilate. But all of these world leaders that were like gods and revered, they're swept in the dustpan of history as compared to Christ, who is now all around the world, worshipped everywhere. There's churches on every street corner in McPherson, it seems, because Christ is alive. His kingdom grows, and it continues to grow until he returns. 90,000 new believers every day come to Christ worldwide. 90,000 today will become eternal children of God. 3,000 new churches will open this week, according to Missions Frontier. By the year 2030, China will have more believers in Christ than any other nation. China, the people who we fear and hate, they will have more believers in their nation than in any other nation, according to Missions Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And we have the privilege to participate as, as um, God's kingdom people, as his priests, if you will. We can partner with him 
as co-heirs with Christ on the earth. In fact, Jesus put it this way, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you, my followers, you continue my work. You go out into the world and you make disciples. You are my body. I'm your head. We go together and we'll continue my work. And even when this life becomes unbearable, Jesus promises that he will provide all that we need. The Apostle Paul said, I have nothing, but I possess everything because I inherited everything from my Savior and my God upon his death and resurrection. So if that's what meekness looks like and if that's what inheriting the earth looks like, let me ask you this. How do we develop this attitude of meekness? According to James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, as long as we have relationships with people, we're going to sometimes speak too much, we're going to get angry at times, um, we're not going to listen too well, we're going to offend people, we're going to have conflict. All of us will. But it goes on. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. We have to come against all of this conflict, all of this sin that seeks to destroy us by receiving with meekness, consuming God's word, and allowing it to inform us and transform us. But then not only do we read God's word and know it in our heads, we need to do God's word. We need to be doers of God's word. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The Pharisees knew God's word backwards and, fo and forwards, but they didn't do it. They didn't obey it, and therefore they didn't experience it. Charles Spurgeon said, a person's meekness is manifested in his dealings with other people. How do you know if you're meek? Well, how do you deal with other people, especially when there's conflict? Are you going to display the meekness of Christ and Moses? Or are you going to do the opposite? By the way, the opposite is ego, easing God out. When we put ego on the throne or ourselves, you know, we ease God out of the picture. No, I got control. I'm going to, I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to, we're not really doing it God's way. We're doing it our way. And it feels right to us, but it ends in destruction always, no matter how right it feels. If it feels so right, how can it be so wrong? Well, trust me, if it's a disobedient to God's word, it's wrong and will lead to destruction. Meekness is power and strength under God's control for the benefit of others in the glory of God. A person's meekness is manifested in our dealings with other people. So when we ask God for patience, God often doesn't give us patience. Rather, he puts us in situations with people who drive us crazy where we have to practice patience. And that's how we grow patient. And the same is true with meekness. God says, I'm not going to remove proud people from your lives. I'm going to put you right, right there in your face. And then you're going to have to practice meekness. For example... Manny was telling me, you know, the dog owner, he was telling me that a couple days later, he was sitting in his duplex, he'd moved in, and his dog was 
beginning to learn and cooperate. That's great. So Manny tied his dog in his backyard around this tree next to the fence. And right next, on the other side of the fence was the other half of the duplex. And they owned three pit bulls over there. And so Manny's just relaxing in his, his duplex, his side of the apartment. And he hears yelling out the back door. And so he opens the back door and there's the owner next door. And he's untying Manny's dog from the tree. And he said, uh, excuse me? And the guy said, you got to do something about this dog. Your dog is making my dogs jump over the fence. And they never done that before. And you got to do something. I said, oh, okay. And so Manny took, and he said, you got to tie him somewhere else. And so Manny took his dog inside the apartment. And he said, okay. Now, if you know Manny, you know this isn't the old Manny that used to be when I first got to know him. The old Manny, he would have been highly highly offended and he would have struck back he would have retaliated verbally man man he's a talker he would have he would have retaliated and he would have made an enemy of his duplex next door neighbor for a lifelong enemy but instead manny held his tongue he breathed a short prayer he said what do i do about this god later on that night manny ran into the owner next door again And the owner sheepishly said, hey, dude, I'm so sorry that I went off on you. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just, my bad. I'm so sorry, man. He said, hey, no problem, man. That's how dogs are, you know. Dogs can be that way, and we'll we'll get it straight. And so Manny gained a friend because of his spirit of meekness, because of the spirit of God living in him. Meekness is always for the benefit of others and the glory of God. It's how we relate to others. This is the new Manny that I've come to know in the past year. He is transformed. I can see it in a thousand different ways because of Christ's meekness shining in and through him. The result of doing so was the fruit of the Spirit in Manny's life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, which is meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. Spirit of God is alive in Manny now, and he's submitted to the Spirit of God under God's control. Therefore, he is manifesting this meekness as one of the fruit of the Spirit. So what does it look like practically for us? Just three things, real fast. Be understanding, not demanding. How we treat people will we'll demonstrate if we're meek or not. For example, you go to a restaurant after church and you get an inept server. How are you going to treat the server? How are you going to communicate to her that she's inept or he's inept? Or are you going to be meek? Or, or the person you call on the phone call about the credit card or about the insurance or about the, the cell phone, you know, the person who is like putting you on hold. How are you going to how are you going to relate to that person on the phone? What are they going to think of you after the phone call is done? Or the person who is under your authority as an employee? Are you going to be rude or demanding or meek or patient? Secondly, not only be understanding and not demanding, we need to be tender without surrender. Being meek doesn't mean surrendering to our our convictions. It doesn't mean fighting, nor does it mean fleeing, fight or flight. What it does mean is we can maintain our conviction but leave room for God uh, to work. Leave room for the, uh, to respect the other person's opinion. That's what it means. 
We can disagree agreeably and maintain respect for the other person. As it said, we can walk hand in hand without having to see eye to eye. You know, we have differences, and that's okay. We can respect one another's differences and grow together and learn from each other. Be curious rather than try to um, surrender or try to attack. Second Timothy, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Again, the word meekness. He must gently instruct in hopes that God will grant. That's what Manny did. Manny displayed gentleness. And as a result, he was able to win over a friend and then be a witness for Christ to his neighbor. First Peter, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. That's meekness again. And then finally, be an actor, not a reactor. I don't mean pretend actor. I mean be one who acts, an action taker. No one can take control of us when they offend us, but we can give our control over to them. We can sacrifice our control the moment we start reacting. We can give them the power, if you will. First Peter 2, when they hurled insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And then Romans 12. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And again, if you think meekness is weakness, then try being meek for a week, and you'll see that it's not weakness at all. Um, Just the last testimony... uh, three or four minute testimony I'm going to ask Alan Sense to come up and share uh, from a modern day example of how he learned meekness. Alan is a meek, meek guy. He, he's ahead of our missions team and he serves humbly and quietly behind the scenes. He's always, always, always serving. Um, he's meek, but Alan's not perfect. The other day, Alan, I went, no, I'm kidding. All right, go for it, Alan. Made me do it. How often have we somewhat sheepishly or uh, under our breath muttered something like that about some dumb thing that we've done? And, and yet there may be more to that than we often want to recognize. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we read that, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I had an event. Actually, it's been about seven years ago now on Good Friday uh, that uh, caused me to reflect on that and my own sin nature in another way. Uh, That particular Good Friday morning, I had come to work and I was angry. I'd had uh, an employee that week that had been lying to me about why he wasn't coming to work. Another employee that morning showed up uh, late, kind of blew that off, no big deal, and didn't seem to appreciate the stress that that uh, put on us, the rest of us as well. And the issue, we had a, a cattle feeding operation, for those of you who don't know me, northwest of town, and part of the grain storage structure there was a, a bin structure that was about 60 feet to the top and then down about 20 feet to the grain, and we had a leak there, and I'd been trying for three to four weeks to get a millwright to come and repair that, so I was angry with him. And so all of these things were boiling up, and, and it needed to be addressed that day. And 
short on help. I didn't uh, follow the safety procedures. We had the right kind of equipment with a harness and a cable system to prevent falling and all this, but didn't really have the people available and in my mind anyway to, to, to deal with that. So I went up to fix it myself that day. And as I lowered myself down and I was communicating by, by a two-way radio with an employee on the ground, the grain level needed to be dropped a little bit to get to the, the leak that needed, the hole that needed fixed. And in my uh, foolishness and haste, I uh, didn't position myself right. Long story short, uh, I was instantly buried up to my chin and I had the radio next to my mouth and I was able to tell the employee to, to quit drawing the grain that I was in trouble and it stopped as I saw the grain cascading down on me. I actually had the thought, uh, what's it going to feel like to die by suffocation? But uh, fortunately, really almost miraculously, the grain stopped flowing uh, just at that instant below my chin. So it took about six hours uh, for them to figure out a way to get me out of that. And that involved uh, fire departments from Marquette, McPherson, Salina, NCRA. It just... So all these thoughts are going into my head about what a dumb thing I'd done and involved uh, all these other people to come uh, that day to, to get me out of that jam. But after spending the night in a Wichita hospital, I uh, was able to uh, say that I was buried on Good Friday, but I was in church on Resurrection Sunday. So that was the uh, outcome that I had to share from that. But as I reflected on that a, a little bit more and as as a pastor pointed out this morning, that one of the things in meekness is to control that anger uh, that is part of our sin nature. And, and that became very evident to me as I reflected how I could be so foolish in knowing that there was a, a risk of what happened. And, and I just seemed to ignore that somehow. And, and so I, I reflected on, on that sin nature, but also then about the perhaps the influence of the spiritual force that uh, we read about in Ephesians and how sometimes we, we neglect to think about how susceptible that we are to those kind of things as well. You know, even if we think as our Christian walk that we're living a life of obedience, uh, I think it's good, and I found out that day as a reminder uh, how susceptible we are to our sin nature and how that opens us up then to perhaps those spiritual forces that are at work in our lives when we let our guard down just a little bit. And and the other uh, realization or, uh, that really drove the point home, that if I could be so foolish in my physical health, uh, how much more vulnerable am I in my spiritual health? And that, is, as we uh, are reminded often in our faith journey, that we are saved by grace alone. It's not by our power, not by our might, but we are uh, truly thankful and dependent on the grace of God uh, to provide that salvation in a spiritual sense, especially. As I reflected on this also, I was able to read a, a writing from Robert Schuller, and he used the word meek as an acronym, and I'll just share with you quickly what he uh, identified there. The M, uh, to be mighty, and as Pastor shared with us this morning, uh, mighty isn't always in the strength that we uh, think of, but as a way to control and use that strength in a way that honors God. And the first E, to be emotionally stable, that we're able to control those emotions, recognize that those are at work, as I certainly did that day as I reflected on the events that led to that. E, that we're educatable, that we're teachable, and that we can learn and uh, constantly have a lifelong uh, desire to learn more. And finally, K, to be kind. And that as we are kind and we think of others, it... Uh, 
can help us from becoming too self uh, overconfident in those events that uh, come with being mighty and, and emotionally stable. But as we can share, then we become more Christ-centered as we're able to share that with others. And as we sang this morning, oh, for grace to trust him more. And those are some of the reflections from that day that, uh, that came, came to me over time. And, and I hope uh, and pray that uh, we can be strong in the faith.